0: Welcome to Higher Ground with Julian King. Uh, good evening, one and all. Jules with you on Higher Ground this Wednesday. It's the 26th of October, 2022. Great to have your company wherever you're tuned in on SEN 1170 in Sydney, SEN Q693 in Brisbane, SEN 1620 on the Gold Coast. And via the SEN app, the open line number, should you like to keep me company, 1300 01 1170. And the text line, store it in your phone if you haven't already, 0457 736-736. Up shortly, I'll be joined by Simon McLaughlin, the Deputy Sports Editor of the Daily Telegraph. He's along every Wednesday night. Have a look at tomorrow's back pages. There is just a smorgasbord of sport on at the moment. Cricket World Cup, Rugby League World Cup, WBBL Action and NBA and NFL and NBL and A-League. And then on top of that, we've we've got the netball tonight, which I'll get to shortly. We've got the Women's Rugby World Cup over in New Zealand and the small matter of uh, the Melbourne Cup and Big day of racing, of course, on Saturday. So it's all happening, as William Morris-Laurie would say. And appropriately, the MCG was the venue of uh, an upset for the ages. Stunning result. Ireland have knocked off England by five runs, courtesy of the Duckworth-Lewis Stern method. It's funny, I was coming off air, I was covering for Jimmy Smith this afternoon, and Coach K goes, oh, what do you reckon, Ireland? He goes, no, no. He's a good side, but... If England played a capacity, though, no, that they, they won't win. They won't get within a bull's roar, and it's happened. Now, if it gone the distance, I mean, who knows? Quite stunning. You know, they haven't quite adjusted to Australian conditions. Even Australia, you might say, hasn't quite adjusted to Australian conditions. With a lot more swing, a lot more bounce. You know, we're not seeing this sort of flat, easy to bat on wickets that we've seen in so many T Twenty tournaments across the globe, which is good for the game. I might add. And it was Ireland, and they had all those lead-up games, so they're, they're a bit more acclimatised Ireland. They dominated the power play with bat and ball either side of a collapse of 7.25. They'd taken down England at the MCG. It was a, another glorious chapter in Irish sport. Do you remember about uh, it was 11 years ago, Kevin O'Brien inspired Ireland to a, a win a very steamy day in Bangalore? Then Ireland found a, a few new heroes this evening. A wet afternoon, they delayed the start and they stunned a highly fancied England side who were, I think, second favourites with the bookies after their first game. Josh Little was outstanding with the ball. They couldn't touch him. He was finding movement, a lot of swing. As I mentioned, the pitchers have been very bowler friendly. It was a fresh deck there in Melbourne. Left armor. he got Josh Butler nicking off, then bounced out Alex Hales. Then Fion Hand, who was playing his, only his third T20 international, got through the defences of Stokes. England were three for 29. This was in the sixth over. They were pursuing 158. Gareth Delaney, the leggy, then he hiked England's asking rate a bit further with these sort of bowling, these dartish deliveries. And Moen and Ali, he's, he's been so strong down the order for England with the bat, threatened the late fight back. Straight six in the 15th over. England at the time were five runs behind on DLS. The rain came down. The heavens opened up once again. It got pretty heavy. This was probably about seven o'clock this evening, Eastern time. They said, "Nope, that's it." They were behind in DLS at the time. The game ended with Ireland's players players celebrating a, a monumental victory with their fans and their family and their friends in the rain. They're used to, I guess, green and wet conditions, aren't they? There in the Irish. Look back a few Irish whiskies. If not, I'll do some on their behalf. Now, this second match it was a double header: Afghanistan, New Zealand, abandoned due to rain, so they didn't get on. So that throws Group A wide open. Wide open. And Crickviz, who's this, this data analyst company, they've looked at the numbers and, and they've broken it down. The possibility of qualifying for the semi semifinals. New Zealand favourite at just over 50%. Australia second, 44%. England third now at 41% after that loss. Sri Lanka, 36%. Ireland, 15%. Afghanistan, 10%. So as I said, Group A, well, it could go anyway. In fact, Friday's match between England and Australia, it's added a new dimension after tonight's result. This could well be an elimination final and that game at the MCG as well. So England got a few decisions to make. Australia would have been watching that closely into, as to how to get through their top order. But secondly, you know England would have been watching that game that Australia defeated Sri Lanka in last night reasonably comfortably in the end. Thinking, OK, what are their weaknesses? What, what changes do Australia need to, to shore up that side? A lot of criticism about... The slow going of Aaron Finch. It's funny, afternoon. I couldn't find anybody defending Aaron Finch. Maybe one or two texters. Everybody's, he's got to go. He's out, Finch. He's done. He's finished. And I made the point, it was only a week ago, he hit 70-odd off about 50 balls in that that warm-up game against India. So, yeah, Jules, what about the out of 10 before that? A couple of all right knocks. But my point is, in this version of the game, which is you know so volatile, it can turn your fawn around pretty quickly. If he's hitting 70 off 50 against England or thereabouts, just uh, India, I should say, just a week ago. Well, it says to me he hasn't lost it, and it says to me that he could easily show that on Friday night. It was a late start, and they did their best to finish it early. Marcus Stoinis, the star, fifty-nine off eighteen, a stunning batting performance. Six sixes, four fours. And as I mentioned, Finch thirty-one not from forty-two balls, and by his own admission, he he just struggled. But Marcus Stoinis came to the defence of his captain afterwards and said, "Well, at least he's out there facing thirty balls, and he he helped nurse me through it." Maxwell copped it a little nasty on well, top edge straight into the chin, but he, he played important dig too. But Marcus Stornis, he needs that. He needed that. He was coming back from injury, started to find the middle. But that might just just kickstart Australia's campaign. They had 23 extras. they just Their body language looked flat. But the important thing for the Aussies is that they got their campaign underway by winning, and they absolutely had to win. Adam Zampa didn't play, ruled out with COVID, so Ashton Agar got himself a reprieve. and played a lot lately because we know that in the last world cup after trialing they say you know what we're going to go batter heavy and pick a specialist at seven rather than another uh, another spinner Josh Hazel would open but instead of Mitch Stark we're seeing the rotation of the quicks uh, Cummins took the second he got punted for 20 off his final over Pat Cummins but this seems to be a, a quicks tournament a quicks tournament which should play into Australia's hands but They've got to bowl a bit better. He's down a bit on pace. He's not quite the finisher he was, Mitch Stark. I don't know about Cummins with the new ball. I mean, look, I don't know. He seems to be one of these middle overs in forces, Pat Cummins. But the thing about it is, after that lacklustre performance by him with the ball, Mark Waugh, none other than Mark Waugh, has said, this is what Australia need to do. Drop Cummins, pick Green. Green can bowl Pat's overs. Open with Green. And then shove Aaron Finch down the order. What do you think of that? I don't think it'll happen. It's not the worst idea. I mean, he's not a lock, Pat Cummins, but he is Pat Cummins. Poorish crowd. I noticed a colleague from the West, Tim Gossage, said that WA fans lost interest after Langer got shafted. I just saw a stat tonight that I think two of the top five crowds in the last year have been Perth crowds. So maybe just got to cool their heels a little bit. Oh, I don't know what it is. Maybe just secede. Just secede Western Australia. 0457. 736. 736. This was a hot topic. Gets people fired up. You know what? As much as I hate to say it, I'm not sure we can have a mature conversation when it comes to politics and sport, religion and sport. Because Josh Eloye, one of the Manly Seven, he spoke to Emma Lawrence on Nine News last night, and basically said, "You know what? He's received death threats, which is outrageous and uncalled for." And stressed that he would, in a similar position, again refuse to wear the jersey next season, which is interesting. He also called Corey Parker an idiot because he was criticising the Manly Seven. Oh, what about you know gambling sponsorship and? alcohol sponsorship, and then a lawyer fires back. It'll show me in the Bible where it says gambling, but it's interpretation about the pursuit of greed and the rest of it. And anyway, and so I decided to cite a passage in Leviticus about how you can be killed for working on the Sabbath, and then somebody shot back at me saying, oh, but that's Old Testament. I'm talking about New Testament. The bottom line is this. You know, when you're defending the Manly Seven, we, or, or more in general, when you're trying to justify these decisions, and by these decisions, I mean refusing to wear a jersey because you feel it celebrates a lifestyle that the Bible doesn't. But it all comes down to the cherry-picking, does it not? It doesn't matter it's one verse over another verse, Old Testament versus New Testament. We can cherry-pick anything to suit our narrative. But Josh Eloy said he's sticking to his beliefs, he's been demonised and, and so on. And as I said, death threats are outrageous and absolutely out of line and nobody should have to go through that. But the thing about it is, and it comes back to how badly manly have sold this whole issue. And he said, you know, it's just it's it's celebration of a lifestyle. It's it's actually not. It's the inclusivity jersey, or the, the sorry, the everyone in league. I think is how they called it, the everyone in league jersey. It's not an endorsement of a lifestyle. It's simply saying, hey, you know what, rugby league's a game for all. That's all it is. It's about inclusion. If you believe that, then I don't really see what the issue is. Is it about Christian Sure, his older sister is gay. He claims she's accepted his stance, but, you know, it's as simple as a question as saying, does Joshua Lawyer think it's okay for his sister to play the game? That's really all we're asking here. That's all we're asking. Or does he not want to promote that? Because that's the nub of it, honestly. Like I said, you know, I dared mention Exodus, the Bible working on the Sabbath, and people come back at me with, you know, Colossians or whatever it is, Corinthians, I said, oh, but what about the idolaters and the drunkards? Yeah, but that's a choice, right? That's a choice. Being gay is not a choice. And that's why at the root of this is discrimination, right? And there's a reason that only one person, that Benin Roberts, has come out. So clearly it's still not a level playing field. I said, oh, just let them play. What's the problem? This is it. We're trying to redress an imbalance. It's problematic, yeah, and there are practical considerations. I understand all that. And they need to sell it to their own playing group a lot better manly absolutely botch the execution of this but you know it's okay to have a value system as an, as an organisation and then it's up to you to try and sell it to your employees anyway we'll see what comes of that 0457 736 736. still on Rugby League as David Riccio reported this morning Newcastle are in the market for Ruben Garrick he wants to play fullback and they see a spot there for him which suggests that they want to move Calum Ponga to 58. alongside maybe Luke Brooks we don't know we know that Newcastle have been pursuing Luke Brooks for a while and that's opened up now because Jake Clifford has been reported in the Telegraph, and we'll catch up with Simon McLaughlin in a moment. Has officially been released by the club to take up a role with Hull FC. So, who will wear the number seven jersey? They still wear seven for halfback in the NRL. Who will wear the number seven jersey for the Knights? For the Knights. Now, just before we get to Simon, uh, Danelle Wallam. Congratulations to you, Danelle. After spending weeks in the headlines, made this fairy tale Diamonds debut. She scored the match winning goal. In Australia's 55 to 54 win over England tonight. That's
1: Couldn't get the ball. For Doju. Now it's back to Australia. Weston. She finds proud. Wollum to win it for Australia. Could you have written that if you tried? Danelle Wollum.
0: Good honour. On, on to Boo. No Liz Watson, the captain's night. She was rested for this series and it went down to the wire. It was a thrilling final quarter. And then Wallum injected into the game midway through the fourth. This is at the Newcastle Entertainment Centre and it just made an immediate impact. Scored with the first touch. Finished with a perfect eight goals from eight attempts. Some really good highlight plays. And then that last goal, if you haven't seen, it was an off-balance goal. She's falling out of the court and then sort of lofted one up and put them ahead just before the final siren. She was swamped by teammates. So wonderful scenes, of course. She's been at the centre of this sponsorship saga engulfing Australian netball after Gina Reinhart's Hancock prospecting tore up its $15 million deal with this one. Great call, too, from our mate Matty Russell. So we actually interviewed her, and she had wonderful things to say after the air. We'll play that for you a bit later on this evening. Now, I think we lost our page, so do I have to sing cold, do I, now tonight? Extra, extra, read all about it. Yes, we got it. Okay, let's hit it now. Is it? I thought Peter Coombe was lost to us forever. This is what happens when you don't do the program for a while and they update the system, Simon. As I say, good evening to you, all this stuff just disappears. So I'm, I'm well, glad I, that. I wouldn't a-
1: feel- it wouldn't feel like Wednesday without that. So, yeah, well, thanks, exactly thanks
0: right. So I'm glad that Alex managed yeah. to, to scramble that. You're talking about to <laughs> do them all again. Uh, good evening to you, mate. How things?
1: Yeah, yes. Uh, I uh, agree. Uh, the magic moment in the netball tonight was fantastic. I thought she actually uh, sort of Euro stepped her way towards the goal to use a basketball term and, and you know, <laughs> set to dunk it. Yeah. Uh, she's tall. She and And... That was magic, you're right. After it doesn't usually happen that way, does it? It's usually, the person with all the attention on them tends to be a little bit overwhelmed, but uh, she got
0: her moment. She did, you know. You, you hear this term, you can't script it, you probably can script it, but it was just the timing was just beautiful, and I'm just so happy for you. And you looked at how she was mobbed too, you know, it meant a lot, meant a lot to uh, mm. the sisterhood. We've heard this term a fair bit, you know. This is interesting, what about this game at Island? have defeated England by five runs, Duckworth Lewis. I said, no, England should win comfortably. But it's thrown up a few upsets so far this tournament. You know, results not going the way teams wanted or perhaps they're not playing the way they wanted I think a lot of teams have been caught on the hop by the standard of the pitches, which is teams to be a bit yeah. more, I guess, bowler-friendly, which is, is is a good thing in this form of the game, I think.
1: Well, bo- bowler-friendly conditions even things out in, in all forms of cricket. And... I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that Ireland have been playing down in Hobart and all their warm up games and it's been pretty gloomy down there, are used to the conditions um already. So um yeah, fantastic and it's really after we got trounced by the Kiwis, it's it was exactly the result we needed. Um so look, I don't think Australia's out of it. you read those percentages out? Um you know, who gets out of the group. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think they're being quite kind to of Australia there. But um, I think they can still do it, but it all hinges on... Friday night's
0: game. it's, yeah, it's going to be the... huge. Yeah, it could end up being an elimination, final Australia-England. Um, I-, I wonder what the Aussie... You know, Andrew mcdonald will be watching that game tonight, thinking, OK, what do we do? How do we get through this top order? You know, Butler's gone cheap a couple of games now. Um, you know, they might look at opening with Stokes, which he's done successfully before. Uh, you know, it's going to be difficult... Uh, to, to beat mm. England, but they're certainly not unbeatable. No team is unbeatable. but having said that, you know when batting conditions are trickier and you see these collapses and wickets fall in, in clumps, this is the perfect opportunity to bring in an anchor, somebody that can just rotate the strike, you know go to run a ball and pick up the run rate when need be, but mm. importantly conserve their wicket. A man who fits that bill is Steve Smith and now calls are growing louder for him to make his way mm-hmm. back into that side.
1: Yeah, that's right. Our, our uh, lead cricket story is Alan Border um, vouching for Steve Smith to replace Aaron Finch um, just to the England game. He's not playing Zach um, Finch altogether, but he reckons that sort of cauldron atmosphere at the MCG against you know a very well-credentialed England team. Mm. Steve Smith is the guy you put in there. As you say, he chips away. It's not all um, about... Sixes and fours, um, you know, especially when Australia's already got a team that's filled with those sorts of batsmen. Uh, you do need someone who who can just chip away and keep that the scoreboard ticking over, and that is the, what Steve Smith does in T Twenty cricket. Um, and boy oh boy, I watched that game last night, and the best place to set the field for Aaron Finch is just for that French cut. Yeah, uh, I reckon he must have inside edged. Oh, at least half a dozen times, and he just did not look ever comfortable. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure if a must-win game against England at the MCG is the place to play yourself in after, you know, he admits he's um, feeling out of store. Mm-hmm. And and there are a stack of blokes who, who know more about cricket than I do who agree. So Brad Haddon also thinks um, Finch shouldn't be at the top of the order, but he thinks he should drop down to the middle and get rid of uh, Tim David. Yeah, that's um, interesting. Mark Wall said the thinking, same thing, yeah.
0: that that should drop Finch mm. in the middle. But Mark Wall wants Green to open and drop Cummins and not drop David. I, I'm not dropping Tim David because he's a world-class finisher and you've invested so much in him. Mm. It's interesting, though, if you if you pick Steve Smith, what, for Finch, does AB propose a like-for-like swap? Because the issue we have there, I mean, we didn't score a boundary, I don't mm. think, of the power play last night. Very slow mm. to get going against New Zealand. And, you know, in these mm. sort of conditions, you can't afford to be after four overs... You know, only what? Thirty something runs, you know, six and over or whatever. It's it's mm. it's not good enough. It's not good enough. You end up chasing the game.
1: Um, particularly Absolutely. in the case of Finch who been... likes to bat second, right? So mm. Well I mean Steve Smith can hit boundaries, they're just gonna go along the ground through the covers, not um over the top of Cal Corner. he he's capable of hitting boundaries and Yeah, well exploiting the exploiting the, the field
0: up, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They mm. just they've been slacking the power play i need a bit more from warner as well he's a fast scorer but in a sense warner is also that anchor player if you think about it because he can bat for 30 balls mm-hmm. you know he's not thought about that but that's very much his role now david warner you know do you have two of these players at the top of the order you know or they are, i mean i don't know i mean maybe you have smith as a floater in that middle order you could potentially if you wanted to do something different open with maxwell you know smith is also a prolific player of spin he's good at shoring up the middle order you know if they get on for a fast start Um, great drop him down if they lose an early wicket maybe bring him in for insurance which is kind of that traditional anchor role and and the other thing there too on on sort of fast wickets bigger grounds like Melbourne um, somebody that skill set can come in really handy because you don't have to be a noted boundary hitter because it sort of neutralizes that you know and I think the West Indies found that difficult to adjust to too Simon you know who are a big Mm. boundary hitting nation but with bigger grounds, where normally, you know, they'd be clearing the rope, all of a sudden they're picking out the man in the outfield.
1: Uh, absolutely. that's That's been the thing that's found out in New Zealand in the past, when they've uh, been able to sort of play, you know, all their home World Cup games in that 2015 World Cup. they played all their home, their group games in, in New Zealand, where the grounds are small. As soon as they got to Australia, they were, they, it was a whole different game on a much bigger field. So proper cricket fields, I reckon they are. But anyway, uh, even yeah. park and cricket, it never sat well with me. But, no.
0: Uh, yeah, you're a bit little, like Sharjah. I mean, Sharjah's a postage stamp. And, you know, if you're not hitting 220 in T T20 in Sharjah, you're no chance, you know, <laughs> every now and mm. So it's a nice change. A lot of them aren't used to this too. That's a beautiful thing about playing them in, in different countries. You know, I, I'm warm to the idea of Smith playing. I'm just not entirely sure yet who he would come in for, it's you know, it takes a big man to, to drop the captain, I've got to say. Um, mm. Anyway, we'll wait and absolutely. see because it's a, it's a must-win game now against England. Now, we do have the small matter of the race that stops the nation. I mean, there's just so much going on. Mm. I don't know
1: about you. Has it felt a bit more low-key this year, the, the build-up to the uh, Cup? I think it has. Absolutely, it has. And part, part of that is because you and I are an iron in Sydney and there's a lot of other stuff um, going on in the racing world in Sydney um, with the Everest, which which takes up all of the attention up here. And then, you know, um, big races on Cox Plate Day and, of course, this weekend, um, which is Derby Day in Melbourne, uh, Golden Eagle Day here. So I think that's part of it, is is that the attention gets split, whereas it never used to. Um, and, of course, you know, there's two World Cups going on as well. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, the race probably doesn't have that local... Superstar like it did last year with very elegant. Yeah, um, now retired. Can, can so we can, can we bring
0: can can very elegant do a, do a Tony Lockett or a Tom Brady just just come out of retirement, <laughs> give us something to cheer for even if it's not going to win. I mean, I not know. No, to, to be fair, the Cup's sort of gone that way for a while, hasn't it? You know this talk about the mm. international raiders. You know maybe we need uh, That's right. maybe need float towbacks. Uh-huh. I'm not sure, but anyway. Uh, it is a big race, still the race that stops the nation, the public holiday in, in Victoria. One of the world's richest people and the breeder of a big Melbourne Cup hope has now questioned the mm. status of the great race. How dare they?
1: Yes, this is uh, billionaire um, Kirsten Rousing, who's an English billionaire. She's the 206th richest person on the planet. She's worth $10 billion, $10 uh, billion. And she, um, <laughs> the two hundred and sixth
0: richest p- person on the planet. Yeah, and you're That's down. Right, yeah, <laughs> you're down to like two hundred and eight, mate. So you know.
1: Well, you know, it's it's it all depends on um, you know the stock exchange, you know where I where I Granted. sit. obviously. Uh, but Kirsten Kirsten Rousing is the is the the lady behind the breeding of the Caulfield Cup winner Durston, and so Durston is is backing up, and he's on about you know third or fourth yeah. line of bidding, um in the cup. She, Look, well, she's excited to try and win the Melbourne Cup, but she uh, basically just says overseas this race doesn't rate. Um, she she points to the fact that it's a handicap race, uh, most importantly, which has long been a knock on the Melbourne Cup. In Europe, you're not allowed to have Group One uh, Group status if you're a handicap. So uh, the big races in um, Europe are all weight for age, and of course the Mel- that means the Melbourne Cup is an oddity. Uh, to their eyes. See, I wasn't um, aware of that. So you and, don't get
0: Group 1 status if you're a handicap race. Wow. That's
1: right, yeah. So, um, look, she, like I said, she bred the Caulfield Cup winner and she bred this year's pre-the l'Arc de Triomphe winner, which is is probably the, the uh, number one staying race in terms of prestige, mm. certainly at prize money, um, as well. So she knows what she's talking about. And she sort of basically said that the European horses that come to Australia and win, their Melbourne Cups and Caulfield Cups, uh, quote fairly ordinary European horses. Off. So okay. it's a bit of a sledge. Now, unfortunately, local um, local types would have to probably agree that our staying um, our stays aren't as good as they are overseas. So, um, but yeah, so she's really had a bit of a crack. The the back page headline is no staying power. Yeah. Um, I oh, mean, she look. And, listen, she doesn't uh, yeah.
0: have to. She doesn't have to have a runner down under if she doesn't want to. Maybe she sees it as right for the take. That's a little harsh. The the mm. other thing too, when it comes to the foreign horses, I mean, this has been one of the other criticisms is they almost find like a backdoor way to dodge the handicappers. So you have got horses that are that are That's running, right. you know, really lightweights, fifty two or somewhere around there, that that really should be better. Whereas, you know, I mean, I don't know the top weight is
1: at the That's moment. That's right. Maybe there's a, there's also on. Yeah, they get away with also, uh, they're considered um, three-year-olds here, but they're four-year-olds and they're not yeah. as the yeah.
0: Other, yeah. other way they do it. Good point.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's a really and then, of course, foot. they kind of uh, whinge a lot if they don't get the track conditions that they like as well. So uh, world's a smallest, take <laughs> that
0: Yeah, because normally they say the grounds are too hard and it's jolting the knees. That's right. so, You know, that's no great secret. But the question is, can their jockeys still ride our style of racing, No, Simon?
1: Well, that, that's probably one of the biggest differences. Australian jockeys, if you, you ever watch, stay up late and watch a, a, a race in England or whatever, the jockeys, their arms and their legs, they seem to be going everywhere. And um, the Australian uh, jockeys ride really tight. The courses are much closer together and it's a different style of racing. Um, you, you'll see it with some of the foreign jockeys where they just get the elbows going and it's all it's sort of a big motion. But... Uh, uh, my man James McDonald. He uh-huh. he's, he rides in the Southern Hemisphere. Oh, he's your man, isn't he? Very nice and
0: tight. Oh, So is he yeah. honorary, <laughs> he's an honorary. He's a Kiwi, but is he an honorary Aussie, J Mac?
1: Well, it doesn't. It, the way it works in horse racing is it's where you're based. So, yes, yeah, you know, so, right. so like like, like a Jimmy, Jimmy Cassidy Bell, sort of thing. Yeah. Sydney horse. Yeah. He's
0: he felt like it was a Sydney horse, you know. Oh. Um, so anyway.
1: But tell us about J Mac. Mm, well. He's on the brink of eclipsing a really revered riding record. Uh, He's got seven Group 1 wins this spring, and if he gets to eight, he'll equal George Moore's record. Very famous George Moore, uh, Sydney-based, George Moore, even though he was in Brisbane. Um, uh, He rode eight winners in the 1967 Spring Carnival. Um, There was a certain horse called Tullock that was pretty uh, handy back then, that won the Rosehill Guineas, the AJC Derby, the Caulfield Guineas, the VRC Derby, and the Queensland Derby on Tullock all in the same spring. And then he picked up a few more and other horses. Now, James has won, James has won seven. Um, Animo has been responsible for one, mm-hmm. two, three, four of those. And he's got three red hot rides at Flemington this weekend. Uh, and if he doesn't rack up the record, Ninth Group 1 win. I would say he definitely will on Tuesday in the race at Stockton Nation. The horse that will win the Melbourne Cup, James McDonald on his back, is Loft. Um, you heard it here first.
0: Loft. Okay, just let me write that down very quickly. I look, much better judges than I suggesting that James McDonald already at this stage of his career is, is one of the greatest ever jockeys that Australian racing has seen. Like, he'd be top 10 all time. Is that is that a reasonable yeah, assessment? Agree with that. Yeah, I mean it's. Uh, oh, I'm absolutely. trying to think. He's won the. I think Ollie, I think Ollie still won Daniel the most Oliver group the top ones, hasn't he? I know Pumpers there, Roy, Roy Higgins, Higgins as well. Um, don't know where Huey Bowman sits at the moment. Uh, we lost the great Harry White just. Um, I think last week too. That's right. From memory, yeah, so... No, he's a wonderful jockey, Jay Mack. But I actually got no—I no idea where we are going to go. Speaking of jockeys, is Frankie Dettori going to get a ride in the Golden Eagle? I didn't see what the latest was. Yes, uh, he's riding that.
1: in the Golden Eagle, and then he is backing up on Tuesday, the first Tuesday in November. He's actually riding in Sydney, uh, and it's his first time riding in Sydney on Tuesday in a race—a brand new race called the Big Dance.
0: The Big Dance. I can't stand that term. Anyway. The big dance. you know, the reason I brought that up, I kinda of gotta like Frankie DeTori because he shares a birthday with me, December fifteenth.
1: Oh, is that right? Yeah, it's Slim Pickens well, on I, December fifteenth. I miss him. You miss him? I miss him when he's not in the Melbourne Cup because whenever you see his name that's that's one horse you can scratch off.
0: Yeah, because you just can't win it. <laughs> not often though, wit him vintage crop, I think it was the first. And uh what's the Japanese horse that won um uh, pop not pop rock, the Delta Blues with the uh, Japanese Delta jockey Blues, and yeah, then yeah right. but generally yeah. it's it's the local knowledge of course. Anyway, fantastic as always mate, thank you for your time. And oh oh before I let you go I bumped into your new mm. number nine for twenty twenty three Reed Marty the other day to yarn with him at the local ah. Yeah he's um he's now moving out of the Parramatta area a little bit closer to uh to Belmore. Oh so I assume he's extremely excited he's about take, uh, uh very very Premiership contender. Yeah. yeah I would say so. I don't know about next year, but uh, we'll wait and see. <laughs> all right, mate, thank you. We'll catch all of those stories in the Daily Telegraph tomorrow. Thank you, Simon. Cheers, cheers. There he is, Simon McLaughlin. Uh, comprehensive as always. Yeah, it has felt just low-key this year, the Melbourne Cup. There's been so much going on. And, yeah, obviously it's a bit more front and centre of mind in Melbourne. They do get a public holiday. but just And I've felt this for years, and I wasn't sure if it was me getting older or whether it was coverage. And yeah, Certainly Sydney Racing's been getting a stack of coverage, but this is the Melbourne Cup. I oh, know Joel Kane's a massive, massive fan. Loves it. Favourite race for him. It's, it's numero uno. But, you know, Durston, Oliver on board. $13 chance, 53.5 after the uh, the owner, the 206th richest person on the planet. has basically shit-can the race. All right. If you have a crack, you have a crack. Uh, Deauville Legend from Ireland carrying 55. current McAvoy on board, $6 and a hell of a chance. And Loft with Jay Mack, you heard there. Who Simon likes, $6.50. I'll have a look at that a bit closer to time. Late Monday. I'm just trying to think what else. Uh, gold trip with Mark Zara $12.57 and a half has some affection as well. I guess we better take a break. One 0111 1170 is the open line number. The text line 0457 736 736. High ground on a Wednesday night. Send me a text message 0457 736 736. Are you making changes in the Australian team? For Friday night, this must-win clash, a steward-eye clash against England at the MCG. You heard Simon McLaughlin say there, and the story tomorrow on The Telegraph is that Alan Borders call for Smith to come in for Finch just for the England game. Just for the England game. And Mark War says, drop Finch down the order. Drop Pat Cummins. And open with Cam Green. So Green in for Cummins. Finch goes down the order. Green opens. It's a lot of batting. A lot of batting maybe just freeze him up to go harder in the power play and then he'll get Cummins' four overs. I don't know. You know, it's, everyone's a selector. We're all armchair selectors. And we're all wise after the event. We'll wait and see. But it's, uh, it's going to be a tough encounter for the Australians. So what can they pull out of the fire? Well, you need Stoinis to replicate that kind of form. 59 off 18, he was magical. Now this, look, driving into work, and I thought I'd see a bit more promoting the World Cup around Sydney than I have, to be honest. And I heard Matt White say on the programme this morning, wow factor. It has been pumped up as much as it should. He's got it about a six to seven. Likewise a rugby league World Cup, it's probably fair. But I don't say I haven't been in the city, mind you, sort of flags. Hey, ICC T20 World Cup on Home Soil Australia, but that first game at the City cricket ground Australia, New Zealand. Well, India. What about this? No, no, maybe we're not great hosts. India's cricket players have complained about getting Shock horror. Cold sandwiches. Coal sandwiches after practice at the T20 World Cup with some ordering food online instead, a source told AFP on Wednesday. <laughs> so they're just menu logging some dosa or something. The team went through an optional training session Tuesday ahead of their Super 12 match against the Netherlands Sydney Cricket Ground tomorrow. Unhappy, apparently, with a fare on offer afterwards. The team told the ground authorities about the meal we got the source said on, on a condition of anonymity. Will you be happy if you were served a sandwich after three hours of workout? And all the teams are getting the same thing. They are not speaking out because most of them are not in position to raise a voice. That's interesting. It's cold sandwiches. Mind you, I mean, if you get the sandwiches, but normally you get... You know when you go to Functions and they have the tray of sandwiches? It's normally the chicken and mayo. If it's a fancy one, it's probably got a bit of dill. You have the same in an option of white, wholemeal or, or multigrain. Usually there's a curried egg in there somewhere maybe like a corned beef or something, you know, with some pickle or some relish, which I'm not a fan of. The cold sandwiches. So, you know when you eat a meal on the plane, the bread roll's normally cold as well, like ice cold, because they'll be the refrigerated. You just get on with it. But they're not happy with the cold sandwiches and offer of the Indian cricket team. And we know that they wield significant power with the BCCI, how wealthy they are, and they're accused of calling the shots even at the world body. But anyway, this source said that we did not train today and hope we get something better in our next, next session. And if not, the players will order online like we did on Tuesday. But according to the UN's World Food Program, a quarter of the world's undernourished people live in India. What about that? Not happy with the sandwiches, the Indian cricket team. I'd love to know what well, they just do. Just Uber eats it, mate. How long? Is this isn't my order. Call the restaurant at Amanda Reef. It happened to us the other night too. I said, how hard is it? We ordered the other night from a, a, a local restaurant and it was ribs and we wanted to get vegetables and and put mash with it ribs come in with fries so no we didn't order that it rang so i can we screenshotted the menu to prove that we ordered that and we got the wrong order and the restaurant wasn't far so the owner sent like his 15 year old kid to hand deliver the extras and we kept the chips which i thought was really good service so after saying oh, i'm never ordering from there again they're hopeless how can you get that wrong to was oh, not that sweet that's customer service They're going to get some return business. We'll take a break. Yeah, welcome back to the program. Great to have your company. High ground this Wednesday night. SEN 1170 Sydney, SEN Q693 in Brisbane. It's only 942 in Brisbane. Be wide awake. Likewise in the Gold Coast. uh, Good evening to our friends tuned in on 1620 and anywhere across the globe via the app. Uh, Gazza, good evening to you, Gary. Always sent with gentle effect. Hi, Julian, the Indian should have ordered pizza. You know, it reminds me, Gary, of that episode. And I can say it because I've got Indian heritage. It reminds me of that episode of uh, Big Bang Theory. And I wasn't a huge fan, but I remember this episode well when they were sitting down for takeaway and they're all ordering Indian food. They hand it out, okay, you've got you know, the chicken and you've got the biryani and whatever. And then comes to um, Kuthrapali, what's his first name? Anyway, the, the Indian character. And for the man whose wonderful country brought us all this food... Your dinner, chicken nuggets. So he just orders the nuggets, or you can have the pizza and we'll eat the authentic Indian food. Very, very funny. 8457 736 7, Moultrie's champing at the beat. He's looking sharp tonight in the black shirt. Do we, just, we don't have our agree to disagree, do we? Or did you, he dug it up. Good man, let's hit it. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. We just found that in the system. I've dug some things out, Jules. Yeah, but there are ways like? of finding these But the, Yeah, that is true. But the newspaper one... Did you play that off YouTube? No, no, no. Well, I, I dug that out. Did it have the extra extra at the start? Uh, no, it didn't. So it must have been a cut. Oh. Uh, I don't know. Ah, uh, you know it must why? Because that was cut. original, and then I think I pasted it. I think you I'm might. I'm going to revamp right. them all. Okay. Put some VOs and the rest of it. Oh, look at you guys. Yeah, and There's I think because Locka McCurdy who d- joins us every Monday, and he's very generous with his time here in the network. We do the weekend wash up. He deserves his own one too. So stay tuned for you know the the tap. I'm looking SFX, forward to that. You
2: know. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Anyway. The rewind's Uh, still there, which is uh, the most important one. It's the benchmark. (laughs) Yeah, it is the benchmark. (laughs) I won't do that again. Yes.
3: Okay, number one, not Mm. the benchmark. The Dragons Mm. need to clear Anthony Griffin out and start the rebuild in 2023. It's not too late.
0: You want to clear him now? I want to clear
3: him now. No, you're not going to clear him now. Don't clear him now. Start it now.
0: Nope. Keep Tyrell Sloan. Well, they're keeping him anyway. Keeping Mm. Sullivan word today is that they're keeping him because they said, "Don't worry, after twenty twenty three, Hook will be gone," which would be interesting. (laughs) So, and that that's pretty bold to basically say we will sack. Well, I mean, who knows? The question, the question there is, what if he, what if he wins the comp? I am not saying that obviously they're not going to. It's not likely they're going to win the comp. But they, you know, this is a season that any other year was was top eight, right? So they are on the improve. You know, it's not as though they're going backwards. In my opinion. Why was this year, any other year, the top eight? Oh, just on the points they finished. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Gold Coast made the eight last year on 22 yeah. okay. points. Fair Dragons missed Fair it enough. on 28. That, that's my point. Right? Okay. So, higher standard, but more wins this mm. season. You know, so, they've got issues, no doubt. But, I mean, they didn't do worse in the season before. Okay. They gave them the extra year. So, see how we go. Okay. So, that's a disagree.
3: Number two, there should be a qualifying stage for the smaller nations at the Rugby League World Cup. Mm,
0: yeah, this is an interesting one. I don't mind, you know, people talk, you know, maybe like a charge or something along those lines. I disagree, and I'll tell you why. I think these smaller nations need to play against Australia and mm. New Zealand. Mm. And the reason I say that is because you play the bigger teams then these nations' viewers tend to tune in more mm. because you're playing against the best. Yeah, you get thrashed, but, you know, what if you hold your own for 10 minutes or jagger a, a miracle try and they're celebrating? Look at Jamaica scored their first mm. run. And you just don't know what legion of fans that brings to the game back home. Mm. And this is how you get the ball rolling when it comes to international expansion, right? Yeah, you're going to have blowouts, but Tonga are a better side than they were five yep. years ago. Samoa are a better side. Lebanon have done remarkably well performance-wise this tournament, PNG, mm. vastly improved side. Uh, Wales are not getting thumped. They're certainly yep. holding their own. And that's the point I'm making. I said, yeah, okay. So they cop thrashings five, 10 years ago. But you keep persisting. People oh, yeah, World Cup. Oh, we're in it again. And then mm. 10 years on, the kid that was 10 says, yep. oh, I might have a crack at this. Might be half decent.
1: Mm.
0: Might end up in the NRL. Pretty pretty high standard. Well, the highest standard of rugby league in the world. Mm-hmm. Why do you think, you know, all of a sudden you've got Moses playing for Lebanon, yep. Dewey playing for Lebanon, Mansour playing for Lebanon, you know, second-tier nations supported by those with, you know, heritage. It, it, I, I just think that for the sake, if you're serious about expanding the global game, and we see it in cricket as well. You know, yep. How bad were Sri Lanka when they first came into yeah, no. international? How bad were India no, when they first Cup. came? Yeah, and they've all won World Cups. Mm. You know, they were terrible. They're getting thrashed. New Zealand, likewise. Mm. It takes time. You've got to start somewhere and you've got to have suffer that pain for long-term gain.
3: Can I give you a a counter-argument to that? Oh, please. I think these smaller nations get more out of playing close games against opposition they're closer to. And then if you're taking the top of that, who are going to be more competitive? Mm. So, for example, we've seen in the Cricket World Cup, I'm not saying follow that format exactly, but you could actually expand the rugby league world cup to include more of those minnow nations playing closer games against teams that are closer to their own standard. And then the top cream, the cream rises out of that. And then suddenly those games in sort of a second phase are more competitive again. So I think that actually improves the development of those small nations because they're playing a higher number of competitive games. They're being put in situations more regularly that are actually going to lead to creating match winners, creating players that know how to manage games mm. better. When they do get in those situations and hence the improvement, they improve quicker. I think if you're playing more competitive, because we've had this, can I take this to my sport in football, where a lot of European you know, nations have been playing against the big teams, there's no cut off and there's a big argument about this in Europe in terms of their qualifiers for World Cups and European Championships. So what they've brought in is the Nations League to give them more competitive fixtures because that gap has not closed. Um, and that's a very similar uh, sort of stratified sure, sure. Um, system as, as what we're getting in Rugby League at the moment.
0: Yeah. Then if that's the case, how many qualify for the big show? From Europe? Uh, no, no, no. Sorry. So, rugby league, for example. Yep. Right. Uh, so, you might have 16 We've got Scotland 16 at the moment. PNG yep. playing 16, okay? So, I'm saying drop that. If you keep that 16, then you can have a playoff that features teams that aren't in this current World Cup. Yeah. Like your USAs and your Rushes and, you know, two examples of that. So, casting it further and wider. Well, why not expand the
3: tournament to 24, play, say, 10, 12 of those teams? Um, to get to make it to that next stage and play the game, play yeah. The big so, teams. Still so you're getting 16, those extra yeah. competitive no, games. no? I, I, I don't mind, that. and I'm you're getting that. more teams at the World Cup, yeah, and more it. games, more yep. content. Okay. I'm, open, I'm open to that, okay? So, a sort of 50 50 <laughs> Um, number three, yes, now this is I don't love going back to this, but I think it's important. We actually don't need to hear from the Manly Seven. I actually disagree with a lot of people in this. We don't need to hear from them, I don't agree with them. They also shouldn't have to wear the Pride jersey if they don't want to. But I don't need the Channel 9 news piece with Josh Alloway telling me why he's not going to wear the jersey. I think it does more harm than good for him and for um, the LGBTQI community.
0: Well, you know what? The Prejudice was on show through their silence, and mm-hmm. it's on show again. But, but I, no, I disagree. I, I'm, I think it was important to hear from them, you know, because I'd love to know their justification. And the thing is now he said he's he's gonna do it again. And so now that his reason is apparent, the next step is well, how how do we sell it to him so he can potentially change his mind? Can you see Josh Holloway ever changing his mind? Well he says he won't. He says he won't. Right. But it, but if they if they dress it up mm. and package it as you know what, it's got nothing to do about celebrating a particular lifestyle, but mm. you said your sister's gay. All we're saying is we just think it's a game for everybody to play. We shouldn't discriminate against anybody who wants to play rugby league. But does Josh actually see it that way? Even if you do sell it to this him is like what I'm that? saying. Well, evident well not at the moment. Mm. Not at the moment. But he should. Mm. Because I-, I fail to see how anybody could possibly argue against that. How you could say no to that. You've got a gay sister. Should she be allowed to play rugby league? Yeah. That's all we're saying. She should be allowed to play rugby league. Mm. Because at the moment, a lot of gay players who still don't feel comfortable about playing that game, scared that they're going to be found out and scared they're going to be discriminated Mm. against. That, for me, is the crux of it. Yeah. I would agree with that. Okay. Let's move on. Number
3: four. We'll go to tennis. story that's sort of crept up on us over the last two weeks. Novak Djokovic. Mm. I don't think he should be let back into Australia for the Australian Open for
0: the next two years. Yeah, I'm in two minds about this. You know, he, he had the year off because we we all know what's happened, that he wasn't vaccinated and he tried to keep mum about it and, mm. and thought he could find a way in. and, and But no, he can't, right? Uh, the rules have changed now. And yes. the only thing really stopping him is a decision by the then Home Affairs Minister, I believe, Um, but they could easily overturn that. Mm. It's not because of his vaccination status because now you don't have to be vaccinated to come. So the rules have changed. At the time he needed to be, he wasn't, spent time out of the game. Now that he's in effect allowed to, Mm. despite his vaccination status, I think the decision deserves a revisit. See, I have no problem with the no vaccination thing. If
3: if he doesn't want to get vaccinated, he deals with the consequences. I have no problem with that. But the fact is, he's tried to break the law to get into the country. And any other person and the other people that have done that, uh, their decision has not been revisited. Mm. They're still not allowed into the country. So again, we're seeing athletes being treated differently to the rest of the population and particularly Novak because he's the number one player in the world. I understand that. I understand the Australian open wanting to have him there, but What's the point of giving the ban in the first place if you're not going to hold to it? This is, I I disagreed with the, the Warner decision and this is a completely different situation. But if you're going to hand down that ban, you're going to say, oh, well, and I don't agree with lifetime bans in principle either. But if you're going to hand down that ban just to overturn it, then where's the, you know, next time someone does something like that, where's the, the guarantee that they're actually going to get the punishment that's been handed down to them?
0: Well, I mean you treat these things on a case by case basis, don't you? Yeah. Right. And I think in hindsight we say, well, lifetime man for warner has been exemplary. But you know, they they were half pregnant on this. So, well happy for you to put on the baggy green represent our yeah. country, but we, we don't so see is you fit you're enough right. to see you know, the well hang on a minute. You either play or you don't play, and if you play we will allow them to take up a leadership yeah. role. Not to say not to say that he will. Mm. And I think Warner's just saying, Well, it'd be nice to be considered. Yeah. Anyway, we, we digress. How about Novak? Should he be let in? Agree. Agree. He, Agree. Should
3: be he shouldn't yeah. be let in. Wow. Okay. I was expecting a disagree there. And to the round ball to finish off. The mm. Matildas draw is not too hard, not too easy.
0: Just right. Just like the Kellogg's just right. So they got Canada, Ireland, and who was the other one? Nigeria. Nigeria. And Canada the strongest. They're pretty good side, aren't they? They're the Olympic champions. Okay. They're a very good team. And Ireland, no mugs?
3: Ireland. So Ireland's, they're... Only just qualified. They scraped past Scotland in sort of the last round of European playoffs. Um, most of them only became full-time professionals two or three years ago. Mm. So our girls have had a jump start on them. Now, they've improved rapidly. They actually beat us in a friendly over there uh, a year and a half ago now. Um, but... We were severely under strength for that game. I think that's one, particularly the opening game of a, a World Cup on our home soil. We should be winning fairly easily. Nigeria, out of Africa, we've beaten the African champion South Africa with a weakened inside ourselves mm. in the last two months. Uh, so I'd be expecting us to win that game pretty comfortably.
0: Hopefully, mm. hopefully. All hopefully. right, mate. Thank you. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Uh, the voice is a bit strained. I think I'm talking too many hours on air. We're a bit behind. We'll take a break. Back with more high ground. As I mentioned, big night in the netball. And for the person that's been front and centre of this whole debate between Netball Australia, the Players Association, and Hancock Prospecting's $15 million offer, which was then pulled from the table. Danelle Wallam, I speak of. She spent a big week in the headlines. Fairy tale Diamonds debut. She scored the match winning goal in Australia's thrilling 55 54 win over England. Early tonight. Shot eight from eight and had a huge impact off the bench. She spoke to Fox's Matt Russell after the game. Talk us through that big play at
2: the end. Yeah, I just um I don't know, I caught the ball like out wide in the circle and I thought I'm not gonna shoot from here and I saw my defender run past me, so I just turned and stepped to the um, the goal post and did the layup and then, I don't know, I just, yeah, it was just kind of instinct, you know, to turn straight to the goal post and try for a goal, so... <sighs> I don't think another Australian athlete has made their international debut amid so much pressure and so much
0: controversy, so how were you feeling as you took to the court tonight?
2: I was kind of relieved to finally get my chance on court. Um, yeah, it's been one of the toughest few weeks of my life, so... Um, to finally get out there and just play in this dress. It was just really special and, um, yeah, it kind of makes the last couple of weeks feel like a bit of a blur.
3: What's been most difficult about it, Danelle?
2: I think just the outside noise. Um, yeah. I know they're tears because you've endured a lot, but I tell you what, you must be a proud Indigenous woman, only the third
0: Indigenous diamond. So what does it mean to be the third? 22 years after the last and 83
2: athletes since the last. Yeah, it's really special, and I just hope that I'm now, you know, a role model to the young girls and boys coming through for their turn. And it was really special. Um, I had Marcia Ella Duncan present me um, the dress, you know, last, oh, last night. So... Um, yeah, it was just really special, and you know, it's been a long time coming. So I just, you know, hope I make everyone proud out there.
0: Yeah, she has certainly made a lot of people proud tonight. Uh, very emotional, Danelle. While i talking to Matt Russell, after that stunning performance coming off the bench and just hitting the match-winning goal, you know, and she deserves nothing less after what she's been through. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Speaking of uh, sponsors and their attachment to players who say things that the sponsors aren't always happy with. Adidas. Adidas has cut ties with Kanye West, saying that it doesn't tolerate anti-Semitism after the rapper was suspended from Instagram and Twitter over offensive posts. I've only got one thing to say to Adidas. What took you so long? What took you so long? I mean, Kanye West was bragging on social media, I can say what I want about the Jews, and added, they'll never drop me. They'll never drop me finally showed some bottle. They grew some plums out of Das. Not a moment too soon. So the German sportswear brand said that they would end their partnership with Stop manufacturing his Yeezy brand products. A deal which apparently generates $2 billion a year, US. $2 billion. 10% of the company's total revenue. My goodness. So they're going to take a hit, but some things are bigger than the bottom line and ending the deal will cost the company at least $250 million in net income this year, according to market analysts. So, Adidas said in a statement that recent comments and actions from Kanye West, who had legally changed his name to uh, Ye, I think it's not Ye, I think it's Ye. Is it Ye? It's Ye. Anyway, Adidas had dropped him, so Ye to that. Uh, they have been, I quote, unacceptable, hateful, and dangerous. They violate the company's values of diversity and inclusion, mutual respect, and fairness. After a thorough review, the company has taken the decision to terminate the partnership with Ye immediately. End production of Yeezy brand products and stop all payments to Ye and his companies. Adidas will stop the Adidas Yeezy business with immediate effect. So it's 45, Kanye. We're strongly condemned for comments made in recent interviews and a promise on social media to go death CON free on Jewish people. Good Lord. So the company had initially resisted pressure to cut the Yeezy deal, despite calls from the Central Council of Jews in Germany. And eventually those shrieks of protest, howls of protest just got louder and louder. They'd done the right thing and they should have done it sooner, Adidas. Personal fortune is going to take a bit of a tumble as well. Kanye West, poor bastard. Forbes reported the artist is now worth 400 mil, down from 2 billion in the magazine's billionaires list this year. So 400 mil down from 2 bill. Although West argued the Adidas deal was worth more than 4 billion. 4 billion. So as I said, finally Adidas grew a set. After Carney was bragging about, you know, he could be anti-Semitic, not get dropped Well, you can. What an ordinary individual lunatic is a lunatic. And apparently Aaron Donald from the Rams, star footballer Jalen Brown from the Celtics, have left Donda Sports as well. That's Carnio's sport brand. Can I just say that? Apparently, Jalen Brown apparently, I won't say drag kicking and screaming, but he wasn't one to immediately say, no, I sever ties. I think he initially he was asked about it, Jalen Brown. I said, no, no, I'm sticking with it. Then you... That it was terrible publicity. He Was never going to win that PR battle, and said, "Mate, you know, you'll find something somewhere else. It's not that important. It is not that important." And he made the decision, along with Aaron Donald, to sever ties. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. I refer to Donnell William and what a debut she's had for the Diamonds. Uh, scoring, pardon me, scoring the winning goal, and it just reminded me of this letter to the editor, one of the all-time great letters to the editor. This is from Joey via email. I can't, I can't place the year, but this has uh, been viral on social media for a long time now. And Joey says, "It's <laughs> just brilliant. I'm sick of sports commentators saying you couldn't write a script like this. If people can write scripts about dystopian futures in which life is in fact a simulation made by a sentient machine to harness humans' heat and electricity as an energy source, they can probably write ones about Gary Taylor Fletcher scoring a last-minute equaliser <laughs> against Stoke." <laughs> <laughs> It's too good. Is he talking about, what, the Matrix there? It sounds like it. doesn't it a simulation made by a sentient machine? <laughs> and Gary, It just sounds so English, doesn't it? Gary Taylor Fletcher scoring a last-minute equaliser against Stoke. Uh, so you probably could have scripted Danelle Wallum, uh, but it was a wonderful result for her, wonderful performance and debut for her. Now to the NBA action today. Plenty of Aussies in action. Uh, the Wizards have defeated the Pistons 120-99. to The New Orleans Pelicans... Son so Zion Williamson, I might add, have knocked over the Dallas Mavericks, 113 to 111. Then you've got OKC without Josh Giddy today. No Josh giddy He's got, oh, I think it might have been an ankle injury. 108 have comfortably accounted for the LA Clippers, 94. Then the Phoenix Suns, 134, way too good for the Golden State Warriors, 105. Speaking of the Phoenix Suns, Jock Landale, who, remember, after he had a really good Olympic Games and Tony Popovich, Tony Popovich, sorry. Not Tony Popovich. San Antonio Spurs. Uh, uh, Pop, what's he for? I just had a... Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich. Thank you. Not Tony. Uh, bless you, Popper. He's coaching victory now. Oh, no, he had a baby girl. Well done to him. Uh, Greg Popovich, who gave him a run for Spurs, and he got traded to the Phoenix Suns. Jock Landale today in their 134-105 to win over the Warriors. 22 minutes, 7 rebounds, 17 points. So good day out for the Jock and for the Pelicans. In their two-point victory over the Dallas Mavericks, Dyson Daniels. There's a few wraps on this kid. 22 minutes, three rebounds, two assists, 11 points for Dyson Daniels. And on the other side of the court for Dallas, Josh Green, another good defensive player. 14 minutes, two rebounds, two points. So good performances by the Australians today in the NBA. Just having a look at some Champions League action. Uh, overnight, we had Celting and Shakhtar Donetsk draw one apiece. Milan too good for Dinamo Zagreb four 0 Benfica Juventus four three high scoring affair. Uh, Dortmund Man City. You know what is it about the German teams in Champions League? They just play well, don't they? It's the high flying Man City nil all that was. PSG one way traffic seven two over Maccabi Haifa. Is that how you say it? Maccabi Haifa. Maccabi is it? Not Maccabi yep. Maccabi Haifa. Sevilla three over Copenhagen nil. How did Matty do play? Matty Ryan, was he no. benched again? No. no. there's a bit of a dispute between their goalies at the moment, mm. isn't And Chelsea defeated RB Salzburg 2-1. RB Leipzig 3-2. Or Leipzig over Real Madrid. So a bit of an upset there. Tomorrow got Inter and Victoria Pleasant. Club Bruges and Porto Eintracht Frankfurt take on Marseille. Barcelona meet Bayern. There's a big game of footy. Ajax, Liverpool likewise. Uh, tomorrow all these games, uh, these ones are at 6am anyway. Atletico and Leverkusen. Tottenham and Sporting and Napoli and Rangers. So we're up to date there with the Champions League. Sorry, I thought you were about to jump in. You know, when you can feel somebody looking at you, I thought you were about to put your hand up and say something. Man City, Dortmund, yeah, nil-nil. But, uh, yes, Celtic, Shakhtar, Dinesk. How how have you assessed, before we get to a break, because you're our football expert, how have you assessed Celtic and Angers? first foray into Champions League football.
3: It's reminded me a lot of the end of his tenure with the Socceroos, where I think, and this is a little bit of a different situation because Celtic are are the underdogs going into these games. And if there is a weakness to his wonderful coaching, is that he can be a little too gung-ho at times. Now, Shakhtar were very unlucky not to win this game. They had a fantastic opportunity, which they completely butchered in the second half. The ball was played square. There was no one in, in goal. Joe Hart was com- nowhere to be seen. And the Shakhtar player managed to put it wide. He just... He doesn't have the players to to match some of these big European clubs. Not yet, anyway. One day they might be. He might be shaping them into players that, that can get to that level. But, um, yeah, this time around, they've just... They've been short. They were short last year in the Europa League as well, in all honesty. There are clubs with... Much bigger budgets um, in the big four or five mm-hmm. European leagues, and another really strong team in their group in Shakhtar Donetsk who who've been regular um, participants in the round of sixteen over the last five ten years. So it was always going to be difficult. I think they're probably a little bit disappointed, perhaps expected to get get a little bit more out of out of out of the group than just two points, but. Um, Something to build on. Something to build on, particularly with their league form, which has continued to be solid. They're still winning games in Scotland.
0: And likely to win the league again this year, you would think?
3: Yeah. um, Already beaten Rangers 4-0 once. Uh, They'll play them three more times before the end of the year, Mm. all being well. And, yeah, hopefully they come out on top again. Uh, They've got more depth than they had last season. So there's no reason that shouldn't happen.
0: And good to see Aaron Moore getting some minutes in the legs as well mm. ahead of the world cup. Just before we get to a break, speaking of world cup, rugby league, world cup, the Australia take on Italy round three, their final pool game. It's going to see Daly Cherry Evans and Nathan Cleary share playmaking duties, either as a pairing six or seven potentially, or getting one half each at half back. So, so Mal has hinted at continuing just to tinker with his preferred side and uh, what's shaping up to be a likely quarter-final clash with Lebanon. But um, a lot of trial and error up front as well. But we expect uh, DCE and Nathan to both feature in that game against Italy. Wednesday night, thank you, everybody, for your contributions. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you to Mulch. Thank you to Simon McLaughlin. Be back on deck on Friday on Afternoons. I'll catch you then. Bye-bye.